So, let me mention our book. I, I mean, I wish we had the overhead. We got this really cool book, this picture of the, on this book. You can't really see it, you know. It's like impossible to see. What? You can look at the table. Okay. I was going to walk down every, the aisle, you know, but... Uh, we wrote this book. We, I wrote this book. I always say we because I grew up with a family and my wife's with me and my kids, so it's kind of a family project, but I wrote it. And uh, called Unmasked, Exposing the Sexual, the Cultural Sexual Assault. And I, I kind of begin to think about, you know, sexual assault is such an ugly word, and if you've experienced that, I don't mention this to open wounds, anything like that. But I think we really need to break the sound barrier around this topic of sexuality. The rhetoric in the church is the most important decision you'll ever make in, in, in your life in God is that, that decision for salvation, right? I'm saying I'm salvation. And then what's the, and the next most important decision you'll ever make is who you marry, right? Who your teammate's going to be. Well, if that's really the case, we haven't spent very much time for p- helping people on their second most important decision. I'm thinking, what in the world are we, have we done? I mean... And I love the now, I love the church, I love the now of God. I mean, I love the young generation. I'm a young at heart guy. I mean, you can't be not, you can't be an old guy if you got kids like where your youngest son's 21. I can't be an old guy. I got to be able to beat him in basketball. I got to be able to beat him in archery. I got to be able to, what else can I beat you at? Oops. <laughs> well, he's, yeah. So, we, you know, but, but the, the young generation is the now of God. It's, you know, it's a 24 7 prayer, it's the prayer set, it's the mission trip, it's um, intercession 24-7, I mentioned that, you know, it's all, it's the stuff of the now, we have treasure hunts, it's the, it's the now of God, the generate, it's, it's their expression of following God, it's the now of God, I love that, but I've, I have this, this thing in my heart, I'm thinking, Lord, Lord, if, if we don't, we can give the young generation the now of God, we can give them all those things, and they're going to, they're going to thrive. You're going to thrive. You're going to grow up in that with the excitement of serving God. You're on tiptoes. God's healing someone. I prayed for somebody, and man, they, the presence of God, I could feel it. You know, I was in worship, and God spoke to me. He healed me. I, I had a word for somebody. I, had, I, I got to share. I got to serve someone. I got to go on a mission trip. I mean, that's exciting. You're on your tiptoes. Wow. But if we don't give a generation the hope to have a marriage that works, we have failed. We have failed a whole generation. We have, I'm, I'm thinking, wait what have we done? That's where all the pain is. That's where all the heartache is. I grew up the son of a, a, I'm a divorced family son. My mom was an alcoholic. I mean, this is where the pain and the confusion is and the threat that I could even have a relationship that would work based on my fears and what I experienced as a young boy and then a young man. The commitment fears. I, I mean, every one of my brothers had to get drugged down the aisle to get married because of the, the, what we lived with. I mean, drug down the aisle. I mean, a wonderful person, and you're, just, you're going, ah, you know, like, I don't think I'm going to get married. My, my mentor said, you don't have a choice. It's too late. You already proposed it's too late. You're marrying her. Which was good counsel. <laughs> you, you give good counsel because he understood the commitment fears I had based on how I grew up. And I believe we need to restore the missing pillar of discipleship, which is sexuality, and begin to raise up a generation to have a hope, to have, you know, the, the glory of God is that my kids are growing up differently than I did. Anybody else want to say, hey, well, I'm, I'm, you might be that, can't. you might have a great Christian heritage and say, 
the glory of God is that my kids are going to grow up a lot like I did, and we're going to improve on it some. Okay, that's great, but some of you might be saying, you know, the glory of God is going to be my kids are growing up differently than I did. And that's exactly what happened with us, man. I mean, that's what a... If there's nothing else we ever do to raise up another generation that, that serves God and loves God and really, literally grew up differently than I did, that's, that's, it, that's the worst the price of, of a mission. What else do you want? I mean, what else, are we, what else are we going for? I mean, meetings are great. Worship times are great. But day in and day out, kingdom of God expression through the life of family, commitment. So that's what the, that's what, what the book is about. Exposing the cultural sexual assault. It's really fun to have it in Russian. It's fun to have it in Spanish. It's fun to have it Right now, getting translated into Portuguese, it's fun to have it in Thai, getting translated into Thai, and we're getting, it's almost done in Mandarin. So, I mean, it's exciting. We are excited. We feel like God's doing some great stuff. It's so fun to have Brandon Chi here. I met his dad, Small World, met his dad in Thailand, an apostolic leader in Thailand. We're, we're going to be working together uh, in Thailand, and it's so fun to have met Jill and her husband here. Jill is a friend from the, she's a Bay Area, she's here in the church, but from the Bay Area, and she knows this gal that I know who's the assistant to a, a young pastor in the church in the Bay Area, so, I mean, is the world about this big or what? I mean, it's like, we're in New York, and like, is it this big, really? It's crazy. So we talk about this restoring the missing pillar of discipleship, which is talking about sexuality. Everywhere I go, I mean, I the leaders will come, come up to me and they go, Pastor Jim, we don't really talk about this that much in this culture. And I kind of smile. like they're, they're saying it like we have this unique culture. We have this very unique culture because here, maybe somewhere else, but here we really don't talk about it much. And I go, well, yeah, if I've had a dollar for every time anybody told me that, I'd be a rich man too. Because we're, we're all human and the Lord has used shame to protect. So it's called a conscience. It's called that that con it's called conviction. It's the presence of shame where God's saying, what are you doing? Don't do that anymore. You, you need to stop doing that. Shame, God uses shame to protect his beautiful gift of sexuality. And this is why we have so much silence in the church. It's very difficult to talk about shame if you're a leader who's trying to hide things or, or is already compromised. They took a survey of pastors. 50% of pastors are not living up to the light they would like to be living up to in this very important area. You're not going to get a lot of strong sermons on sexuality because of that. It's just not going to happen. 70 or 80% of youth pastors. Men in the church, you know, 70% pornography issues. I mean, these are... These are Men in the church, they're in the church. They want, I believe they want freedom. I believe we have a culture that is a, a hyper-sexualized culture. I, I teach in discipleship schools all the time. 25% of the young women are looking at pornography. They're very ashamed of it. They, oh, my, I must be horrible. No, you're looking at pornography because you're a daughter. You're looking at it through a daughter's heart, a lens. Completely different reason than, than a man looks at pornography. You're looking at pornography because... You are made for intimacy and relationship primarily. You're primarily relational. And the world says, you know, you know how the world is. Facebook, I'm in a relationship. Right? Facebook. And then everybody, everybody immediately wants to know, are you guys doing stuff? You know, like, 
you know, give me the juicy details of this relationship. And they use the word intimacy falsely. Are you guys being intimate? Well, the Bible answer is, no, we're just having sex. That's really the truth, because intimacy is spiritual oneness, soul friendship oneness, and physical oneness in the context of marriage. We also make crazy ideas about sex. So the daughter is looking for intimacy, and, and, and she's designed for intimacy, and the culture says, here's the intimacy door, walk through it, you'll get, the, you'll get intimacy you go and knock on the intimacy door, and the intimacy door is the sex door in our culture. Look at what we've done. And she finds herself in a sex world because she opened the intimacy door looking for intimacy, but the intimacy door is the sex door. That's why 25% of the young adult women that we work with, and these are in discipleship schools. These aren't, this isn't the gal that just, these are gals saying, I want to give my year of my life or nine months of my life to growing in my faith, you know. And we're praying, and at the end of the week, and how many of you guys are, how many of you ladies are looking at things? I mean, God doesn't hate them. God's not angry with them. He wants to heal them. He wants to restore them. He designed their heart for intimacy. I mean, and the enemy takes it and perverts it. Let me give you a scripture about uh, this uh, a cool scripture. It's really a scripture about uh, the scholars attribute it to Lucifer, who was the he was the worship leader in heaven. You know, there was an angel in heaven, Lucifer. He was the worship leader in heaven, and it's describing him. And it says, "This is how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You who have cut." Down, you have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. That is a strong, I mean, that's an amazing statement about this. You know, it could refer to a king at the time, a Babylonian, you know, Babylonian king, uh, one of the empire kings. But scholars say this is really symbolic and even prophetic about the fallen angel Satan, who was the worship leader. And it says, You who have weakened the nations. I thought, Well, how do you make a nation weak? You're going to make a nation weak. You know, I used to think, well, if you unplug the internet, take away the cell phones, you know, uh, that'll mess people up. They'll, be, they'll start going crazy just very shortly, you know, withdraw. Or put potholes in the road so the old people will curse more when they're driving down the street. And it, all that cursing will just fill the earth with this. And the enemy knows how to weaken the nation. He goes after the thing that causes the greatest amount of pain and the greatest amount of heartache. He goes after relationships. He goes after that, that critical area. That's, his, that's what he targets. Our theology as Christians, is very important theology, is our theology is that the, that the nation is only as strong as the church in that nation in terms of its real health. A nation can have lots of money and lots of technology, but it can be bankrupt. I mean, we're, we're kind of going that way in some ways. And and, but but, but the, the word of the Lord says that God's people are out like the salt. They're like the seed of the kingdom of God. They're planted and they, come, they grow up. They change. They're like leaven. They leaven a nation. God's people, you, this church, King's Church, whatever church you're part of, you as a person, son or daughter of God, are part of the answer. And, and, and the church is only as strong as the, the, the nation is only as strong as the church in that nation. The church in the nation is only as strong as the families in that church. 
including the singles who are, who are set in, the, in, in families. And those families are only as strong as the marriages. The marriages are only as strong as that young man and that young woman who God calls together to be a team for him. There's a problem there. If the young man or the young woman have been wounded, scarred, damaged, it's pretty tough to put, to begin to, to believe that this can be a, a, a strong, healthy component, a building block for that, for that family and to make that church strong and to make that nation strong. And, and that's how he's, he's done it. We have a sexualized culture, and the enemy has uses he has used this consistently. And you can't, and we get numb to it. I was starting to take pictures on the subway. There was the the museum, is the museum of sex? Do you guys see that ad on the subway? I took a picture of that kind of clandestine. I was taking pictures of my kids. I went click, and I went click. You know, <laughs> tourists. You know, right in front of the. <laughs> they think I would. They would think I would. Here's on the subway. They think you must be a pervert taking pictures of the sex ad. No, no, I'm not. I'm like a guy here. That's on your subway already. I didn't create that. That's already there. And then there's the workout thing on, what's that? The workout billboard, you know, it shows the gal kind of doing her, her uh, what do you call that thing where you lay on your stomach with your elbows? The plank, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. I'm do but, it's, you know, it's got, it's got the picture that's, it's for the, all the men that see it, it's not about the plank at all. You know, it's immediately about this girl who's not, you know, is sexualized. She's sexualized. Yeah. We're assaulted with it. You know, it's funny. That, you know, the Lord's called us to follow him. He's number one. And whenever we take anything that's secondary, any of the secondary blessings of life, they're not designed to be in the primary place in our life. And when we put anything that's designed to be secondary in our life, it becomes, it, it becomes like an idol. And it, it, the, intensity, the intensity of the focus of the human heart cannot, it, it, that, that, that secondary blessing cannot sustain the intensity of the focus of the human heart. It was never designed to be the focal point of somebody's life. It was never designed to sustain them. Sexuality relationships were never designed to be the thing which people pursue. And they disintegrate under that intensity. God, when, when God is the first, those secondary blessings are aligned and they, they come into place. It's beautiful. They begin to work together. And that's why seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added. I mean, and God keeps gently, persistently seeking after us, getting us to align ourselves rightly so his blessing can come to us. He's not going to ruin us to give us something that we aren't prepared to receive from him. That we're going to take that and put it in the primary spot and have it disintegrate in front of our eyes. He doesn't want, he's not going to do that. You know, usually we have a bunch of pictures and stuff. There was this, my good friend Sean was in uh, Wisconsin and he was visiting an older man who's in a gun club and he's, uh, he shoots guns, you know, for, for a hobby. But he was visiting him in his trailer, and he went to the bathroom, and, his, and it's, you know, it's kind of an older guy, not kept up very well. He's kind of a widower. And, and on, the, on the lid of the toilet, not the toilet seat, but the back part, I don't know what you call that, the lid of the toilet, right? That back thing, the cover, was a Play, Playboy magazine, and then right on top of it was a th thing called the Daily Bread. 
And it's, it's a thing that people read. It's a thing that people read. It's kind of a, a verse for a day with a thought. And I thought, if you could see the picture, he took a picture of it immediately. He said, this is, this is amazing. This, this, this describes where we're at in the culture. We have, a, we, have a, we have a strong, dominant sexual spirit in our culture, and we're trying to address it. We're trying to address it with this little, this little dose of Christianity or a little dose of the word, you know, and it's like, wait a minute, we're going to need a little bit more than this to see this spirit cast down and exposed and addressed. But the, the juxtaposition of this book, The Daily Bread on Top of This Playboy, with the girl's kind of her eyes looking at you, it was just so profound and to me, it represented what we're dealing with. It, rep, it, rep, it represented it so profoundly. And, and the Lord speaks about that because he says we don't wrestle against flesh. Ephesians 6 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual forces in heavenly places. And then it says world forces of this darkness. And I believe the sexual spirit is a world force that has been loosed on the nations of the earth. I've been, I don't know how many countries, 20, 25 countries, every culture, the sexual spirit may be manifest differently, but the same, the same core perversion of God's beautiful gift, beginning with the perversion of identity, both male and female, not just transgender stuff, just, just plain old heterosexual guy and gal who, who see themselves differently than God made them. And it affects that heterosexual relationship profoundly. I love the Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. I didn't give Brandon this either. But look, look at Second Corinthians 10. Because it begins to talk about Second Corinthians 10.4. It says, though we walk in the flesh. Now it's talking about our warfare. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Using a military analogy about how we're engaging the forces of light and darkness in spirit versus flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, not carnal, but they're divinely powerful to the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are, at, we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. See, when, you, when it talks about we are, we are, dis, we are casting down stronghold. Stronghold is how you think. It's how you think about it. It's what Pastor Dave was talking about, my son-in-law. He's talking about it right before, you know, as we were introducing, he's saying how we think. Those are strongholds. We have patterns of thinking about who we are, about sexuality, about the importance of it. And it says we, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty to tear down, to assault how we think. We can have a changed mind. God can give us a new way of thinking about these things. Destro breaking strongholds, and we're destroying speculations. We're, we're destroying these ways of thinking. And it says they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. I love that. I was, uh, I was home one day, and I got a phone call from a, from a, a mom. Just kind of expand a little bit more about the culture. I got a, got a call from a mom with a girl in junior high, and she goes, hi, um, Pastor Jim, I'm so-and-so. You know, we've heard you speak somewhere, and can you help us? Um, I found my daughter's journal, and it, and it reads like pornography. 
and we're really shocked and we need help. Can, can you help us? And I go, sure, yeah, I want to help. And we thought the best thing to do is for her to meet with me. So she came over and met, you know, in our living room for two and a half hours. And what we did is we just let her talk about everything she wrote in the journal. And I would just say, tell me, tell me, you know. So she just started pouring her heart out. And she would share some and start weeping. And I'd, I'd stop and I'd say, oh, let's just, we're going to pray for a minute. And, and then she kind of stopped and then and I'd go, tell me more. And she kept just kind of unraveling this, this historical experience with sexuality. I mean, she's just pouring her heart out. And, you know, by the end of the time, there was quite a bit of relief. It was like confession. You know, I mean, I, I love the, the Catholic part of the, the church, the, the Reformation movement in it, but we let them steal, we let them rob us of confession. Confession isn't supposed to be one time. It's supposed to be part of our walk with God, to, be un, to unburden ourselves. I mean, it's amazing. So this gal let, leaves, and she's, she's lighter. Yeah, you know, the same thing happened with a gal in California. She, had, she was a beautiful 25-year-old uh, young lady, uh, something had happened to her when she was six. She, I mean, what, what, she was touched in the wrong way when she was a little girl when she was six years old. And she goes, for 19 years, I never told anyone about this. And this morning, you were talking about sexuality. and It gave me permission to bring it into the light. And she did. She goes, I did, and I think a thousand pounds came off my shoulders. And, and, I, and we kind of exchanged email, or I, she, I think she signed up, and she sent me an email the next morning. She goes, Pastor Jim, like that, that weight is gone, and I ate breakfast this morning, and my food tastes different. We could do a new book on that, you know, like, you know, improved taste of food by, by inner healing, you know. But, <laughs> but the reality is, as a woman, see, a woman is, a, is so in, integrated, and the devil wants to separate a woman's sexuality from her personhood so she can be taken advantage of and, and without anyone making a commitment to her. That's what we've done. Because God said, you don't touch her unless you marry her. You take the whole package. When you touch a woman's body, you're touching what she thinks, what kind of ice cream she likes, what she thinks about the future of our country, how many kids she wants to have. You can't, you can't, you think you're just touching her body. You're touching her whole world. She's an integrated unit. And it was so borne out to get that email. Your food tastes different. How cool. Like, what, did you have granola or did you have fried eggs and bacon or what was it? But, but it was her celebration, like my world is changing because you touched me. So the same thing, you know, it's the same thing, this confession, this sense that God's doing something. So back to our junior high gal, um, I began to think of something. I thought, you know, this is kind of crazy, though. Why would a girl write that stuff down? I mean, why would she write it? And it, it was the same thing. It was this sense, a need, it was, there was poison in her. There, was, there, was ex, there were experiences she had had that she was never designed to have. We don't, I don't think we understand. We have so trivialized and made sexuality so casual, we don't have a clue about the heart of a daughter, the sacredness of how she's made in terms of her sexuality. We have a hint of it when Jesus says, I'm coming back for a bride, what, without, without spot or wrinkle, which is kind of the old King James of, you know, this, this pure bride. That's the, that's the kind of bride I'm coming back for. Well, to me, that speaks of the longing of a daughter's heart that they are made for purity. 
They are made for a period. There's something in a heart of a daughter that her, 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 her self-view of her, her, herself is about purity. Now, I'm not talking about, listen carefully to me. I'm not talking about the absence of sexual activity. I'm talking about sexual activity within the context of God's blessing. My wife is pure. She had eight kids. My, my daughter, who has six kids, is pure. She has six kids. My single children are pure. They are, they are, they are worshiping God with their body in this season. Purity is God's gift of sexuality in his context. Well, if you follow that out, then purity is more than the history of your body. How's that for a blessing? Can I shout that at you? Listen to me. Purity is more than the history of your body. Now, you're not going to get darkness. Darkness is going to tell you, you, oh, no, no. And we, we do this with young people. We start, okay, well, I'm at the youth group now, and they're, they're lined up, and the, and the youth leader has got, he gets his new gum out, and he's chewing it up. Chewing the gum, and then he takes it out and goes, Who wants my gum? Everybody goes, Oh, gross, gross. He goes, That's what happens if you give yourself away purity. This is what you are. You're a chewed up piece of gum. That's really encouraging for that daughter who was touched in the wrong way when she was a little girl or made some stupid choices and got involved early in sexuality or had some boyfriend that pressured her or she's a co ed in college, had two or three boyfriends, and is just living. How does she find her way back? See, we bought into the same lie. We, we in the church, in talking about sexuality, have oriented ourselves and made everything about the physical experience. It's all about the physical. It's all about purity. Now, I'm, I'm for virginity, okay? But I'm not for a caste system in the church. I'm, we're not going to have a caste system in the church of the, of the all, all, they're all the ones that are really nice. And the wilted flower section, make sure you're sitting in the wilted flower section, ladies, Okay? <laughs> No, we're going to cast that down. We're casting that down because I know a Jesus Christ who's the only one that can put the petals back on the flower that the devil has torn off. I know him. I've watched him do it. I've watched the miracle of God putting petals back on the flower that the devil has torn off. And he doesn't just tear them off. He takes you the back of your, he, he, he takes the back of your head and grabs your hair and, and sticks your face right in it. And then he, 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 put, he holds you down and he, he pulls you back. Did you get enough yet? Oh, he invites you across the line. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. And you cross the line and the avalanche of shame and guilt and fear and torment begin to hit you. And you think, what happened to me? I never wanted to feel this or experience this. We need to know the enemy. We need to understand what he's doing. And we need to let God heal us. Because God doesn't want to just heal you. He wants to, give, he wants to restore the testimony to, back to the church. Because a lot of us have X-rated testimonies and we're ashamed of our testimonies. So we're modifying our test, We're sanitizing our testimony to be a PG-13 or PG. Well, I'm really kind of PG. I go, honey, honey, it's not about shaming you, but you've got an X-rated testimony. And let me tell you something. They overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and that they didn't live their lives unto the death. Didn't love their lives unto the death. And there are X-rated daughters in New York. I'm watching them every day. I can see it on their face. They may have a leather uh, briefcase and a wool suit and some high heels or they might be working, picking up the garbage, but there's some X-rated testimonies out there and they're waiting 
for the kingdom of God's sons and daughters to take their place with a testimony that says, I know the way out of hell. Can I tell you about my life and what I experienced and how I lived? And can I tell you about the God of restoration? And they don't even have to say it in words because their face is bright. Their countenance has changed. That's, what, that's the army I want to see raised up for the kingdom of God. And we do it when we get healed. And we're not flaunting, you know, well, I'm a pole, I was a, I'm an ex-pole, I mean, I was a pole dancer, and now I'm an ex-pole dancer. I go, no, you're not. You're a daughter of the Most High God, and you used to do some of that kind of stuff. It's very different than your mindset that I was a pole dancer, and now I'm an ex-pole dancer. You feel the shame, the, 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 the permanent identity? No, uh-uh, we don't do permanent identity in the kingdom of God. Uh-uh, no way. I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been. Uh, you know, do you know why God picked Mary to be the first one to say he's risen? Because she was the prostitute with seven demons, and he had a message for generations of the church saying, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, who you are, who you've been, where. You know what? I'm picking Mary to be the first one to say he's risen! So we got some Marys in here. I want you to put your tennies on. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news, who run with the good news into places of hopelessness. The office buildings and the restaurants and the, the dishwashing areas and the parks that are filled with sons and daughters who are waiting for someone to stand on the edge of their generation and say, I know the way out of hell. And I know the God of I mean, it's powerful. We have power. We have amazing, incredible. So that's kind of a rabbit trail off the junior high girl, you know. The junior high girl, there's poison in her. There's poison. It was, it was making her crazy. It's like she's not designed to have that in her. There is not a daughter on the face of the earth who was designed to give herself to a man sexually without commitment. I don't care what the ads say. I don't care. I don't even care what she says to you. She's calling you up saying, my parents aren't home after school. Come on over. I don't care what she's saying. In her design, it's, antith it's antithetical to her design based on God's created order. It's part of the lie we're talking about. This is this lie. We're tearing down strongholds. We are destroying speculations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge, the intimacy of a relationship with God. We're gonna, we're gonna, we are gonna destroy. The weapons are, they're not carnal. They're mighty to destroy these lies. And this isn't an anti-sexual message. This is a, guys are going, well, it sounds kind of like an anti-sexual message. You need to stop talking. I want my wife to kind of be excited about sexuality. Look, at, you want your wife to be excited about sexuality? Let's start dealing with sexuality as God made it. Yes. And we're going to have response sexuality. We love him because he first, oh. And, and, and we're the bride, and he's the, the savior husband. And it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So if we serve and bless our wives, if we're involved in response sexuality where we are serving, blessing, cherishing, 
and she's going to respond back to us out of desire because we have been worthy of that. Or we could just go with performance sexuality, which the whole world is. A gal living with a guy in our world, we're in a sexual relationship with a guy, is involved in performance sexuality. I mean, she's, by definition, there cannot be the three parts of intimacy because there's going to be some doubt, some fear, some questions, some the commitment's not there. That, that, the commitment's saying, if you're ugly, if you're, whatever you are, I'm committed to you forever, period. You know, I'm, I'm till death do us part. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's about, it isn't about the sexual experience you give me. It's about who you are as a person. It's pretty strong pretty strong commitment but that gal's taking a risk with everything in her life and she's got to make sure she's reading the i mean she better have the may issue of cosmo magazine out there so she knows all the sex tricks to make make whoever happy i mean this is what's this is this is what is encouraged i i fly watch the gals with their cosmo they pull their bag they can't they don't read cosmo magazine like this on the airplanes they kind of curl it up and read it like then they kind of look around going. It's like ideological pornography. Telling them that this is who you are and this is how you need to act. I'm telling you, kingdom of God response sexuality is like night and day. This is a daughter who is loved, cherished, valued, and has a commitment made to her. It changes her life. It changes who, how she sees herself. And she, as a response, wants to be a blessing to her husband. There's not obligation performance. I remember we had a friend that was working at Trader Joe's and she was in a, whatever you want to call it, courtship, relationship, special friendship, you know, whatever. A pre, non-engagement, but starting this relationship. And we, you know, we trained the guys to say, look, at, you, need to, you need to cherish and communicate and be a blessing to her. So she's working at Trader Joe's and everybody wants to know, I'm in a relationship. Oh, you know, Facebook, are you guys doing stuff? She goes, why would I want to wreck everything and do stuff? I did that in junior high. I got passed, you know, I got passed around on the you know, junior high guys baseball team. I got sick of that, so I hooked up with a gal for a while. I got sick of that. I started smoking pot because of all my guilt and shame. Then I went to a discipleship school. I got saved. Come on, we got progress. Come on. And then she's in a relationship with a guy, and she's at work, and they all want to know, what's going on with you guys? And she's saying nothing. And they're going, what? Are you, are you like, is something weird here? I go, no, I don't want to wreck it. I, I already did all that. I wrecked it. Well, how's he treating? And she's describing how he's treating her. And these gals are living with their boyfriends. They're, you know, in sexual relationship. They're listening and they're going, it's like everything in them is saying, I, that's me. What you're talking about is what I want. I go, okay. I mean, it was just, it was resonating. She was describing I was designed for safety and security and permanence and commitment. I was designed to be loved for who I am as a person, not what I can give some man sexually. I'm primarily relational and secondarily sexual through the covenant of marriage, which allows me to open up that private and sacred part of my life to my husband because he's made a commitment to me forever. It's not rocket science. It's called design. It's called original design. And these girls are going, well, that's, that's me. I'm supposed to have that. 
I go, you are. Absolutely. It's the longing of your heart. Then they start inviting themselves to, to this gal's church. Can I go to, where do you go to church? Can I go to church? It's like, her, their, I think their thing is, if I go to this church, then whatever happened to you is going to rub off on me, and, I'm gonna, and then my boyfriend's going to start treating me different because I'm like, this got rubbed off on me. I go, well, you, you're kind of close. It sort of it sort of works that way, but not necessarily. I mean, it, it, it's... But there was such a hunger. I just would add as an aside that the 50-year-old lesbian lady at the work, the 50-year-old lesbian lady during break times is weeping in the break time in the break room with that gal saying, I hate my life. I've been hurt by men. Tell me more about this young man. I've never heard about a young man. Because probably she didn't. The neighbor man or the grandfather or something else that probably violated her and caused her to say, I'm never gonna, I don't ever want attention from a man ever again the rest of my life, caused her to choose a lifestyle of safety. It isn't about sexuality, it's about safety. It's about I never want the kind of pain I've experienced. That was the reality of what happened with Candace, and it's about design. You know, the church is frustrated. What do we, we have young people saying, I, I went to college and I came back and my old youth group friends are like, they all have boyfriends. They're all like doing sexual stuff. I don't even know what to say to them. Well, we're all helpless. What do we say? I know, flee youthful lusts. Thou shalt not commit adultery. There, I, I said it, and she broke up with him just like that. Just instantly. No, that doesn't work, does it? That's not, what, that's not what's happening. But what, what can we say? What do we say? How do we... How do we speak to a generation who's being assaulted by a sexual spirit without condemning them, but reaching into their heart of hearts and beginning to speak about how they were designed by God? I've been sharing some of that with you, that this, these original design declarations. And they came, they, came, they came to us in the strangest way. I mean, we were outside of an of a abortion clinic handing out child development literature to gals going in and just trying to stand against, you know, stand for life. And, but I have so much more in my heart than just child development. Like, here's child development. It'll change your life. Well, I mean, it, it will, but it, not, it isn't salvation, you know. And so I'm standing there, and these gals are coming in, and this gal drove in with her red sports car. She got out. She walked over to me. I'm thinking, she's standing right in front of me now, or what I do? All I've got is this flyer on, on field development. Like, here, this will change your life. No. And I gave it to her. I go, I know you need to get in for your appointment, but I'm thinking, Lord, what do I say? There's so much more in my heart for her. Because I'm thinking, I've got, eight, I've got eight kids and six daughters. And I just said, hey, you're like, like some of my girls' age. You know, it's great. It's like I'm a dad of six daughters, and some of my daughters are like your age. And I've come to understand something as a dad of daughters, that daughters were designed for safety and security and permanence and commitment. And, and something else about my, about daughters, about my girls, that they were designed to be loved for who they are as a person, and that what they can give some man sexually. Have you ever like thought of that? She just looks at me. I I'll, I'll never forget this. Like she just looked at me, and began to cry, like tears are. I known her for like thirty seconds, a whole minute maybe. And and and. And I knew the Lord had given us something. He gave us a bridge 
a build, uh, to build something to build a bridge to the heart of a generation that is involved in this demonic spirit, who's being hurt, who's being lied to. And we can do it without condemning people. I mean, I've done that with waitresses. I've done it with everywhere. I've said, I just talk about original design. Some of my girls have never had, held the hand of a boy, but they can still talk about original design. They talk about how they were designed by God. I'm designed by God for safety and security. Other girls who've had some experiences that are negative, they say, I've learned some things. I'm, I'm designed for safety and security. It's the same message. You don't, have to, you don't have to have some history to be a good testimony person. No, it's anybody can. What do we say to the guys? I, I love talking to the guys. Guys, we were designed to do what's right instead of what's easy. Meditate on that for a minute. We're designed to look in a mirror and see somebody we respect. Our fuel is honor. It's the deepest part of us. We're designed to be protectors and not predators. And we were never designed to be bound to our lower nature, but God's releasing grace to us so that we can rule over our sexuality instead of our sexuality ruling over us. God's doing that in this hour. I love the original design of men. Men work jobs, they fight, they you know, go to war and die for honor, they play hurt on sports teams. I mean, it's in us. We're trying to beat pornography and call men to purity without one of our allies. One of the strongest allies in the heart of a man is this protective instinct. And I believe with all my heart, if we can connect, if we can connect what's happening to women in the culture to the protective instinct of a man, it will elevate men in this battle to another, another, another level where they are a protector. And it won't be about, you know, like if sex is about monkeys, then don't think about monkeys at the count of three. That's how we're trying to train men. Okay, I just trained you. If sex is about monkeys, don't think about monkeys at the count of three. There, you're trained now. Ready? One, two, three. How are we doing? Not very good. Because it's flesh against the flesh. It's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like Moses trying to get Israel out of Egypt by killing the Egyptian. You understand? We're trying to kill the flesh. Don't think about it. I hate porn. I'm mad at porn. I hate porn. I'm failing at porn. I hate porn. I'm going to fight porn. I'm mad at porn. Porn makes me feel like a failure. I hate porn. Well, that's great. And I'm glad you don't like it, but we're never going to win that. We're not going to win that battle. We need a revelation of a daughter's heart. We're trying to leave our daughters sexualized and say, don't think about them. Instead of reclaim the original identity of a daughter's heart and who she is and how sacred she is. This is why the Me Too movement, I gotta finish, we gotta end. But the Me Too movement is one of the most significant changes in, our, in, a, in this whole sexual scenario. And man, I wanted the church to be the one to say women are being hurt in relationships. I wanted the church to herald that. Why weren't we heralding that? We're supposed to be the truth, the carriers of truth in the culture. Women are being hurt in relationships. And, and the Lord said in so many words, he said, Jim, we're not even talking to our own young people about sex. Hollywood wouldn't listen to you. Hollywood wouldn't listen to the church. I have to have Hollywood talk to Hollywood about it. So he raised up Hollywood to confront Hollywood, and guess what? Hollywood listened, and it opened the door, and for the first time, the dogma of the sexual revolution has been challenged. Think about it. I grew up in the sexual revolution. 
late 60s high school. And for the first time, the culture is saying women are hurt in sexual relationships without appropriate boundaries. It's profound. Because before it's, girl, what's wrong with you? Everybody's doing it. Everybody's cool with it. Oh, you got problems? You, you're, you got issues. You're unsophisticated. You're unstable. You're weak. Something's wrong with you. Everybody else is cool with it. So just get on your antidepressants and we'll see you later, honey. This is an open door to say, wait a minute, something's happening. And guess what? This is where the testimony of a generation walks in and says, can I tell you my story? That's what God's going to do. I'm so excited that the Me Too movement has started. And we need to validate the pain in, in a generation of women. But we don't, we don't need to make men the enemy. We need to cultivate an ethic and a, a spirit of forgiveness and restoration. Men are not the enemy. We don't believe women because they're women. We believe facts. And we believe evidence. And we, we try to walk through the molasses and the, the difficulty of this culture. And we're going to see restoration. And we're going to see healing. That's what Isaiah 61 is about. That's what Jesus started this ministry with. Think about it for your own life. We're all on this continuum somewhere. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. That's where we started. We were afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's the broken heart. To proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Those are the walls we put up to protect ourselves and they become prison walls and we find ourselves trapped in the situations. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. That's not God's vengeance against you. It's God's vengeance against the enemies trying to destroy your life. That's the day of vengeance. He, if you're hearing a voice saying God hates you, he's ashamed of you, that's darkness. The vengeance of God is against the enemies who are trying to destroy your life. He is on your side trying to defend his beloved. He's going to call them to accountability and walk in responsibility, but he is for you. And then the process of the healing, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland or beauty for ashes, mourning, joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, so they will be called the oak of oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Then there's the assignment. What's the assignment? They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the, de the, the, de the desolations of many generations. It's people. It's New York. It's every city. People waiting for your testimony, your authentic testimony, your shameless X-rated testimony, your PG-13, your R-17, I don't know what it is, or your, P, your PG testimony. It doesn't matter what it is, but God's going to use you to build his kingdom. He's going to restore you. 
He's going to let your story be told. He's going to let young couples have a testimony in their marriages, but also of their relationship before they got married. That's an important part of it. A testimony of purity or restoration or, or realignment that God makes. I mean, how cool can that be? It's part of the kingdom of God. I believe God wants to give us a, sec, a, a, a sexual component to our evangelism in a way we've never had. Where we begin to be, where we begin to have the freedom and the and the understanding, to be able to to talk about some of these things. So, I wanted to honor you for coming tonight. I wanted to thank you for taking the time and uh, it's awesome. The Lord can do a lot with. With a, with a handful of people like this. I mean, think of all the relationships you have. And people say, well, I don't, we don't really need this. I'm, I'm doing really good. I go, well, do you have any friends that are maybe needy in this area? I mean, this is where people live, the stuff I've talked about tonight. It's where they live. They don't know what to do. And the Lord has answers. He has healing and restoration. I want sexuality to be a blessing again and not some curse. I want God to be glorified. That those, those oak trees of, of righteousness, it says the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. He doesn't want to just have us be here in New York. He wants us to go to the nations with, us, with healing in this area. So marriages and families. So, so they're not selling their boys and girls in countries like a Thailand. You'll see that cast down. See, sex trafficking stop. So I know where sex trafficking starts. It doesn't start in Thailand or Eastern Europe or with a runaway foster daughter at the New York bus station. It starts in the junior high hallway where every day of her life, a little 12 or 13-year-old girl, all she hears is the most important part of who you are is your sexuality and your body. That's why we have to break the silence around this and begin to speak the truth and speak personhood and restoration of identity to sons and daughters. That's what we're going to do. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Speak, Lord. How many feel God wanting to do some healing in you? Just everybody close their eyes for a minute. But how many of you just would say, hey, I'm, man, I heard stuff I never heard before. I just, I'm a candidate for some healing restoration. It's okay. You know, it's really, the first step to victory, you know what it is? It's, it's stepping and bringing whatever darkness you have into the light. It says the light shine in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome the light. It's a promise from God. And all that's necessary is to step and bring whatever, thing, whatever is in darkness into the light. And you know what? It begins to shatter. The shame begins to break. Maybe tonight you're just, this isn't about oh, who's coming forward, who isn't. This is about people hungry for God, 
to begin to reset them in this critical area so you can have a future and a destiny and a hope. And man, I would, maybe you're a young man thinking, man, I, you know, it doesn't matter. Everyone has failed in sexuality except for Jesus Christ. You know that? It's a particularly difficult area to talk about because of that. But we, all, we also get a, we get a fringe benefit. We get humility built in by just being a disciple in this area. Maybe there's some guys tonight just saying, you know, I, I, need some, I, need, I need to start taking that first step into the light. And you'd say, that's me. You might be married, you might be single, it doesn't matter. You just, the issue is hunger. So I want to invite people. We're just going to stand in the presence of God. You know, sometimes just standing in the presence of God can heal. Sometimes moving out from where you are and coming up here, we're going to, I've got my wife that wants to pray with you. But can I invite you to do that? Can I invite you to just be a candidate, a community of healing tonight? Take a few minutes just to say, that's me. I need to do some business with God. Come on up. Come on, just stand in the presence of God. Don't come to me. I'm not a magician. Let me tell you that much. But the Lord is a healer. The Lord is a God of restoration. He, he is the only one that puts the petals back on the flower that the devil Yeah, just come on up. Be, let's be bold. Let's just... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Move, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to say for guys, uh, we're stepping into honor. We're stepping into honor. Okay? It's so easy for the enemy to say, you're stepping into shame. You're stepping into the spotlight where everyone says, it's shameville up here. Men, step into honor. If you felt like the Lord is... You feel that feeling down in your stomach? <laughs> the Holy Spirit conviction feeling? Take a step into honor in faith. Thank you, Lord. This is the best place. Thank you, Lord. It's safe. God's hands are safe. Oh, His heart God. is safe. All the years, Lord. All the years, and so, Lord, Lord, we just thank you. All the years, Lord. God, for your protection. That's healing, honey. God, for your safety. He picked you to come. He picked that you to hear. That you're a good God. That it's the desire of oh, the Father to God. draw your sons and daughters to your heart, God, in this in this place, in oh, this Lord. situation, God, oh, in Lord. sexual brokenness, in shame, in addiction, God, we just ask, Father, that you would draw Thank us you, close it, to Lord. your heart. All Lord. of it, right now. God, we stand against the enemy that tries to keep us away or keep us separated or alone or isolated oh, God, or in the, the dark. Years. And God, we just come to your arms in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord says in the one of the prophets, I think Joel says, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. I will restore the years. That means he can take 20-year patterns and break their power. He can, he can make us men that are different. I talk to men all the time. I go, look at men. We don't. God has called us to himself, and we don't live for a feeling. We we reject that. We will not live for a feeling. We're going to live for God. Thank you, Lord. How many are bringing years, years to the Lord tonight? Like, where you'd say, I'm a candidate for the, 
for that word that says, I will restore the years. Just, just raise your hand real high. I, I will restore the years. Father, right now, I, we break the power of the years right now. We break the power of the years, God. Lord, you reach back. Thank you for the cross that encounters us. And the cross reaches into the future, but it also reaches back to the past. It begins to undo things. It begins to shed light on things. We begin to understand why we're where we're at, why, how we got there, what happened to us. Lord, you can do it all. The years. Melt the years away. We, take, we break the power of the years right now. And your Holy Spirit is a healing, a healer. You break the power of the years, Lord. The years. And you're so definite, Lord. You say, I, we don't have to restore ourselves. We respond to your restoration, Lord. It says, I, you're speaking, you're God. You say, I will. You don't say, I might try, I, I'm going to hope to. I will. I will restore. I will restore the years. The years. Father, we break. How many have old memories and old relationships? You have like a file cabinet full of images and memories and sexual experiences in a, like a file cabinet. And it's like they're alive. It's like it's crazy, but they're old, but they're alive. How many have that in their spirit in some fashion? Just raise your hand. We're going to pray against that, that stuff right now. We're going to forbid it for coming into marriages. We're going to forbid it for going into the future. Let them go, hon, right now. Out, out. All of them out. I want you to get the imagery of it. I believe that those memories are kept alive by a fuel, a fuel from hell, like a pipeline from hell to those memories. And the Lord wants to come with the sword of his spirit and the cross, and he wants to break the pipeline. He wants to cut off whatever keeps those memories alive like they were yesterday. How many have stuff that's like yesterday and they're old? Come on. We're going to break the power of that. The Lord is breaking the power. The blood, the cross, the sword of the Spirit to sever the pipeline. Just start releasing those to the Lord right now. Just as they come into the mind, as they come to mind, release them. Release them to God. Just let go of them. Just release them into the hand of the Father. Isn't it interesting? The Lord doesn't want to, he doesn't want to erase our mind. He doesn't want to blank our mind. Oh, I'm going to erase your mind. He wants to take those memories and he wants to, he does, he wants to unsupercharge them. He wants to take the fuel away so those memories are just history. All they are are facts. I did this, this happened, but there's no emotion. I have no emotion connected to these facts. And the truth of Jesus Christ is, is superimposed over the facts. It's like small F-A-C-T-S and then the, the capital T-R-U-T-H is being superimposed on your facts and those memories become part of your testimony. Because he doesn't want any part of our life 
closeted away where we have to kind of use spiritual energy to hide them or the Lord's saying, I want, I'm going to redeem your sin. I'm going to redeem every part of your life so you never have to apologize about anything. You go forward into your future completely shameless and I'm going to use the most unlovely and ugly things in your life, the things you even hate about yourself. They're going to be, they become keys to unlock the prison doors of other people who are waiting in prison houses for a, a, your testimony. You can begin to thank God. You're going you're gonna to take my life and my past and those things I'm ashamed of. And you can, you can change those into keys to set people free. That's, what, that's his intention. He even redeems our sin. Think about it. That's incredible. Thank you, Lord. Right now. So if that's you, you got memories, let's lift them to God. Hold your hand up. Hands or hands. Father, right now we break the, anybody, whether you're at the altar, anybody standing in the congregation, that just you, for some reason you couldn't get up here, just raise your hand. You got memories or just things in your spirit? Can you just raise your hand to the Lord and say, it's me, Lord. I'm, I don't know why I couldn't go forward, but I just, but, but, but here's my, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Father, we break the power of the memories right now. We cast them down. We break every soul connection, every illegal soul connection through sexual experience right now. Just as they come to mind, just, just release them to God. That person. How many have a person they're thinking of? Or persons. We break their power right now. Lord, we break the power of soul tie through sexual experience right now. Lord, we especially break the power in a daughter's heart. A daughter was designed by God to re receive imprints onto her spirit through sexual experience. Every daughter. It was supposed to be with her husband. It was supposed to be a memory of blessing to carry all day long. And when it wasn't her husband, there are memories that cause pain, memories that cause hurt, and God can break the power of that. He can break the power of that. Do it right now, Lord. Just break the power of those memories right now. Break the power of those memories right now. You just release them to him as they come. Just say, Lord, they're yours. How many ones... How many gave your heart away and there's parts of your heart that are gone? You'd say, I, somehow some of my parts of my heart are gone. I, and he, you know, he wants to, he wants to give your, your heart back to you. He wants you to run into your future with a whole heart. Wouldn't that be, that, that's, how many have pieces of their heart, relationships? How many have pieces that you want God to bring back? Come on, just, you just tell him. You say, I want my heart back. I want all the pieces back. Uh, from junior high, that girl in junior high, that girl in high school. The, I, I want all, my, all the pieces of my heart back. In Psalms, it says, unite my heart to fear your name. What a beautiful, it's like, that's what he wants to do. And he can't unite your heart unless he, he brings those pieces back. And sometimes we hold on to the old pieces. We're holding on to those old pieces. It's kind of weird. It caused pain, but it's like, 
kind of a familiar pain, like, I'm going to go on Facebook and kind of see where he is or where she is. I wonder if they're thinking about me today. You don't need to do that anymore. Some of you need to have a funeral. How many is God asking you to have a funeral about some old, old relationships? You, just, you would just know that God's asking me to have a funeral and bury some things tonight. Just raise your hand real high. Just say, Lord, it's me. It's me. Come on, it's me. That sentimental, that old thing, those memories, those old things. The Lord is so gentle about the funeral service he wants to have. And it's not like he hates these people, but you know what? It's, it's up to him to bring salvation to them. Father, we just bury, we bury these, these memories tonight, these, these people. And Lord, forgive us for looking and going places and just wash over our heart. Wash, Lord, tonight. There's a river of life that God wants to be flowing through our life. The river of life. We have dead things like logs and it clogs the river up. And God wants to take those dead things tonight and he just wants to, he wants to push them out into the ocean of his forgetfulness. The ocean of his forgetfulness. Come on. Thank you, Lord. You know, one of those memories for so many, when you're a young boy or young girl, something happened to you. Something unpleasant, ugly. You know, these are things that are secrets and The whispering of darkness just follows you around. It says you're dirty. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with your body, the sexual parts of your body. Something's, ro- something's wrong with your, let it go. Let it go. Just let it out. Let the pain out. Let the pain out. Something's wrong with your masculinity. Something's wrong with your femininity. Darkness even has the gall to say, it was your fault, or you wanted it to happen. You wanted it to happen. And then the, the worst lie of all is that maybe if you try hard enough and long enough and work hard enough, maybe, maybe God will accept you. What a, what a horrible negation of the beauty of the cross and the blood of Christ, that you have to be a slave to to receive healing in the areas of sexuality. Every eye is closed. Can everybody close their eye? Who am I talking to? Something happened to you when you are a little boy or little girl. Just, Just hold your hand over your head. Just let's begin to let God shine light into that. Let God shine light. Let him break the power of those things. One of the strongest areas people deal with is confusion because people have two kinds of shame in them. They have the shame from what they did, what they chose to do, and then they have shame from what was done to them. 
And they're very different. I want you to see it. It's so important for you to get this. Because the shame ball is all mixed together and you have both shames together in the same heart. And God wants to take his sword of the Spirit. He wants to divide the two shames. And he wants to say, these things you're accountable for. These things you can repent for. These things I will wash and cleanse you for. How many see that right now in your spirit? Come on. Two kinds of shame. Same with sexual assault. Same, any kind of violation against your will sexually. Do you see the two shames? Do you see them? The shame from what you did and the shame from what was done to you. They're very, the same shame, but very different. Do you see it? The two kinds of shame. Do you see it? The Lord wants to take the sword of his spirit. He wants to divide the two shames tonight. In one, he divides and says, you can repent for those things. You can receive forgiveness. And the other shame, he has this, this thing he wants to declare to you from heaven. He wants to say, I never want you to repent ever again for what happened to you. I never want you to repent ever again for what happened to you. Are you hearing this? I'm absolving you. I'm absolving you from what happened to you. I'm absolving you. I never want you to repent for what happened to you. Do you hear it? You got to see it. It's a voice from heaven saying, listen. A voice from heaven saying, I never want you to ever repent ever again for what was done to you. And then the Lord begins to reverse all the lies that you're dirty. The Lord says, you're not dirty. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your masculinity. There's nothing wrong with your femininity. There's nothing wrong with the body parts that God gave you that are sexual. And it wasn't your fault. And you didn't want it to happen. It's a little bit quieter just for a second. The reason the devil says you wanted it to happen is because when you're a little boy or a little girl, you want to have attention. You want to sit on somebody's lap. You want to be tickled. It's natural. We're made for that kind of relationship. But when it turns dark, let me tell you, you did not want that to happen, okay? That's a lie from darkness. You did not want that to happen. Do you hear me? I'm declaring that over you. Do you hear me? You did not want that to happen. It wasn't your fault. Do you hear me? Come on. And the Lord says, I am the door. And when the door of innocence is ripped off your life, God wants to come to you and replace that door of innocence with himself and close the darkness off and put to sleep everything that was awakened early. How many have some things they want put to sleep? Those memories put to sleep. Those areas put to sleep. Come on, right now. Lord, put to sleep everything that was awakened we break, I break the spirit of abuse right now. I command that spirit of abuse to be cast down. Spirit of abuse, break! We divide the shame ball. We divide the shame ball tonight. We separate the two shames, Lord. And we, we declare over your sons and daughters God's 
request. I don't want you ever to repent ever again for what was done to you. You're free. I'm not waiting for you. I'm not waiting for you to be better. I'm not waiting for you to be a better Christian. I'm not waiting for you to atone for these things. You can't do anything. Remember Mary. Remember Mary. Remember Mary saying, He is risen. He is risen. Thank you, Lord. How many men are responding to saying, I want a revelation of a daughter's heart? Anywhere in this room. Just, you heard something tonight. You, you could just see, I want a revelation of a daughter's heart. Just, we're going to pray for the men right now. I want a revelation of a daughter's heart and the vulnerability. Women need to be protected. Listen to me. Not because they're incapable, unintelligent, inefficient, with no treasure to contribute to the broken world. Women need to be protected in this hour because of the, the sexual spirit. They have a peculiar vulnerability to the sexual spirit that's been loosed in the nations of the earth. And that's why we are going to protect the daughters of the kingdom of God. So they can be who they were designed to be. Persons who are, have a sexual component to their lives. But we're going to cast down that, that sexualized image. And we're going to protect them by restoring personhood to them in our own spirits. We're going to do that. Just like that little junior high girl that was going crazy. We, we, we heard tonight, no daughter on the face of the earth was designed to be involved in a sexual relationship without commitment. We rehearse that in our spirit. So let, let me just pray for you guys. Just raise your hand. Lord, I release the spirit of a protector. Lord, I believe the atmosphere of New York is going to change. The atmosphere of New York is going to change that these men are going to walk with eyes. And instead of bouncing their eyes away from women, you're going to give them a heart to see a daughter. And instead of bouncing away, they're going to see daughters and begin to have a burden for them. They're going to see their pain. They're going to see their sorrow. They're going to see their heartache. They're going to, they're going to be protectors. And if, if all they do is pray, all they do is, is let a an intercession rise to heaven that that atmosphere over our city is going to change. The atmosphere in their homes is going to change. Their atmosphere in their relationship with their daughters is going to change. We're asking for it right now, Lord. We're asking for it right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And daughters, we just want to say as men, we want to protect you. We want to give you permission to be protected without having to simultaneously say, I'm weak, I'm incapable, I'm kind of nerdish girl that really needs a lot of help. That we have capable, wise, gifted, and intelligent daughters in the kingdom of God, and we will protect them. It's both and, not either or. And we will protect them. And we start in our own personal heart, our own personal purity. If you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling in any kind of way, the first step to God's promised victory is bringing the darkness into the light. Talk to Pastor David. Talk to some of the leaders in the church. Humble yourself and just say, I'm struggling with this. Every man has struggled with this. There's not a man on the earth that has not failed sexually. So join the club and let's get into the process of walking in the light. Let's cast aside our goal of sinless perfection. He doesn't call us to sinless perfection. He calls us to be holy as he is holy. And that word has to do with maturity. 
and maturity is growing and walking in the light. John said, if we say we have no sin, we make God a liar and the truth is not in us. He gives permission for us to be in process practicing righteousness. Practicing righteousness. Come on. Freedom. I hear the sound of freedom, brother. The contrite... A broken and contrite spirit I will not despise. I will not push away. I'm not ashamed of it. Those hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. John, right? There's some other Johns out there. They're all over. Thank you, Lord. Kind of late, but you know, in the night, there's people on the street all the time. They're out there. They, the city never sleeps. Thank you for honoring your own soul. I know you go to movies and get out late, and you do things and get out late. And I just want to remind you healing comes in layers. God did some great things, you know, layers. One tear can bring a layer off in the presence of the Lord. And you are His beloved. And he's not ashamed of you. Listen, I don't care what you've done and where you've been. The Lord is not ashamed of you. Let's break shame as the last thing we do tonight. How many are bringing some kind of shame? It's like peanut butter. You can wipe it right off your face. It's a spirit of shame that lies to you about how God sees you, how other people see you, and how you see yourself. It's a spirit of shame. Father, right now, just raise your hands if you've got any kind of shame. Old, new, Father, we break shame tonight. We receive that you are not ashamed. Can you hear him say it? You're my beloved daughter. You're my son. I'm not ashamed of you. And Father, I break the spirit of shame right now. Shame, God's beautiful conviction, he protects sexuality with shame. The devil takes it and turns it to condemnation. We have conviction that it's good to warn us and then it becomes condemnation. Lord, we embrace your conviction again. We embrace your, the beauty of your gift, and we break the false shame. We break the con condemnation. We break condemnation and say, go back to hell where you came from. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're walking in the light. Thank you, Lord.